0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Blackhawks Roundtable presented by the Hockey Writers. I'm your host, Brooke Laferno, joined by my colleagues, Gail Kowchuk and Hunter Crowder. Unfortunately, Connor uh, Smith, our other colleague, is unfortunately a healthy scratch, but he should be back in the near future. He's got a lot of exciting stuff going on. We're really excited for him, but um, like I said, we're just going to continue on. We have lots to talk about. Um, Before we get into that, though, um, please be sure to follow all of us on Twitter, That's where we're the most active. Our usernames are right here on the screen. And also, please be sure to follow our stuff at the Blackhawk Substack. That's also part of the Hockey Writers. All the links will be in the description below. But if you're interested, you can sign up for it. All of our articles and content will go to your email Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you even have the option to become a premium subscriber where you get additional weekly shows, prospect updates, quizzes for prizes, and really just fun content. So if you're interested... In um, becoming part of the family, like I said, the descript- or the links will be in the description below, um, so that's completely up to you. But we hope you join; it's a lot of fun. Uh, and as always, you can follow uh, me, um, Hunter, Connor, and Gail's uh, articles all on the And so let's just get right into this, guys. So obviously, the Blackhawks right now are five eleven and zero. They've lost four straight games. So this is honestly their longest losing streak of the season so far because before it was three, which it's not great, but it's still not great. Um, But their last win was a five to three win over the Tampa Bay Lightning on October 9th, which honestly seems like a very long time ago. (laughs) But right now they just really can't get anything going. They really just can't close out these games. It's kind of just been frustrating to watch. So let's just get right into this, guys. There's a lot to talk about here. So... I want to start with Lucas Reichel here because that was the big news yesterday uh, for yesterday's game uh, against the Buffalo Sabres was that uh, Luke Richardson, head coach Luke Richardson, put Lucas Reichel on the first line with Connor Bedard and Philip Kershep. It's not like we haven't been talking about this, I think, since even the preseason. I think we even talked about it again um, during the Arizona game on Halloween that, you uh, this should probably be a thing that they should consider but obviously like i said they've had lucas reichel shuffling everywhere lately center wing just up and down the lineup here so i'm honestly really excited that he was moved there and obviously they had a really um strong game they were really um a threat offensively all game according to ben pope they were 16 to 10 in shot attempts 10 to 5 in scoring chances so i think honestly they'll probably keep this line together I would assume. Uh, but I'm really impressed with how I think that's come about. And I think we all thought that would be a good look, I think, for Reichel, Bedard, and Khrushchev. So let's kind of just talk about this. Hunter, what are your thoughts about Lucas Reichel being on the first line?
1: Um, I think a lot of people who are fans of the team and uh, comment on Reddit or anything, they've been wanting this the whole time. They've been dreaming of having Reichel and Khrushchev and uh, Bedard on the same line. Um and so far, the results speak for themselves. Uh, I, I think a lot of people, maybe the first couple shifts, they were a little worried. Um, but once they settled in, they, they were the best line on the team by far. Um, I, I think, like, there's a natural – I think when you have three like-minded hockey players who are all phenomenally ta- – phenomenally, phenomenally? I don't know. Good start. Uh, they're all talented is what I'm trying to say. And uh, it, it's nice to see that the coach is actually trusting the youth and – putting them together i know that richardson's been blending lines a lot throughout the year and i'm sure that that's not going to change as the season goes but um it was just nice to get a game and actually see them you know click in some ways and um hopefully it sticks for at least a little bit and can uh be the fuel to light some sort of streak
0: gail what do you think about lucas reichel being on the top line
2: well, I guess I want to preface this by saying that uh, I think Luke Richardson was kind of hesitant to put Reichel on that, uh, on that line. He wanted him to basically be the number two center behind Bedard. And he really wanted him to pick up that, that center role, but he just seemed to be struggling. It just wasn't working out. To be honest with you, I'm surprised that they didn't do this a little bit earlier, uh, put Reichel on ring. It was a, it was a chance to kind of get him going. He scored a power play goal. I think the game before that as well. So um, he's, he's moving and shaking and, uh I think it's a good thing, and I think that with with uh, Bedard and with Kurashev, he's he's going to he's gonna thrive. Uh, it makes sense to keep them together. Now, I know that they're a bit of a, a defensive liability, but the hope here is uh, basically that they can make up for that with their offensive production. Uh, gosh, what was the line that did that before? I think it was Kane, Dibrinket, and Strom, right? Where they were like, let them go, run and gun, even though they were a complete defensive liability. So we'll see how it goes, but I think that they've definitely earned um, uh, an extended look.
0: Yeah, I agree with both of you. I think I agree with the thing. It probably should have happened a bit sooner, but I understood. I think we all understood why Luke Richardson wanted to keep them apart. Um, it made sense for depth purposes and kind of just letting Reichel shine on his own a little bit. But I think something that keeps sticking out to me is something that I wrote an article on was when Bedard said that I would love to play with Reichel. Um, he would benefit. It would, be, it would be a benefit to me to play with him um he would make my job easier so I was like I feel like okay when you have your star player and even though Bedard's doing fine on his own even without uh Reichel on his line he was doing just fine with Felino and Kurchev and Taylor Hall but still it's like okay it's like you kind of figured something like that would work then obviously you have Bedard's telling you one thing and then obviously the way Lucas Reichel plays plays really well with fast playmakers so like I said it probably was a long time coming but I do think Lucas Reichel's on the right track here he's got three points in his last four games I know people are a little concerned about the defensive part of that line but who cares at this point who cares they need goals like yes. I mean they'll they'll come in time but like I said they're not really in contention right now I really don't I think that's kind of like the least of their worries and before we get to our next topic I just want to say I'm sorry I said the Blackhawks last win was on October 9th I meant November 9th it has not been that long <laughs> I mean, it's been a long you know, time. Like that, it's it's like been a long, long been. time <laughs> since they won, but it hasn't been that long. Sorry, guys. Um, okay, but uh, moving on. So we, I want to talk about Hunter. You wrote about um takeaways from the Blackhawks. Really, kind of just bummer weekend of back-to-back losses, which really. Guys, my brain is kind of mashed potatoes with the whole thing. It just—it was not fun. We were—we were just straight up not having a good time. And then the Bears lost. And why—why why do we subject ourselves to all this torture? It's just—it's not fun. But point is, Hunter, you wrote a takeaways article, and you actually brought up a really good point um, about Seth Jones. I think a lot of people have kind of been questioning Seth Jones's um, kind of performance as of late, and he's been fine but he has no goals and only seven points in 16 games. And it feels like he's knocking on the door in some cases, but honestly it just hasn't gone his way right now. And you kind of brought up some good points about what you think could honestly kind of rejuvenate him and kind of get his game going a little bit. So I'm going to give you the floor here and kind of tell me, tell us what you kind of saw with Seth Jones.
1: I I just feel like we're at the stage now where we're, we're almost 16 games into the season. And I I watched a lot of games last season, and it just felt like Jones is reaching this point in his career where, if he doesn't have supporting uh, defensive pairings, or if he doesn't have a a partner to uh, thrive with, or if he doesn't have defensive minded defensemen on his team, he's kind of left out to dry. Uh, I made the reference in an article, and I got a little bit of pushback on it, but it, it reminds me of when Dion Phaneuf was in Toronto. And it's when he was in Calgary, um, I, I got the numbers right here. Phaneuf's best offensive numbers were when he had like um, Roman Hammerlick and like Robin Regeer as defensive uh, partners who are great in their own end. They're able to make a first pass. They're responsible. And it would allow Phaneuf to go out and get good points. Um, and he was able to put up 50 points, 60 point seasons. And that reminds me of Jones. Like he's he always had good partners, whether he was in Nashville or – his time in Columbus. And, and now that he's in Chicago and he's signed this massive contract, which by all accounts, good for him, he's scored a lot of points. And if the market's willing to pay you that, then you know, be damned if you're not gonna sign it. Now, whether Stan Bowman should have given him that much money and that much term, and now it feels like the team is almost like indebted, like they have to play him so much. And if you look at the team right now, I looked at it right before we came on jones is averaging over 25 minutes a game no one else is even at 20. like like the amount of responsibility we're giving to this guy with power play time and a little bit of penalty kill and he's going up against every team's best line every night i feel like we're running him into the ground and there's a lot of things about his game that aren't good he's getting lost in his own end sometimes he's losing his guy um there's a couple battles in the corner that he's not winning which you need a top pairing defenseman to do but i think we're looking at a thing where realistically he's maybe a great second pair d on a first power play that's what he would be on a solid cup contender but because of where this team's at now and because there's no depth i just feel like he's being left out to dry and uh, because of that he's taking a lot of you know abuse from fans online and just a lot of criticism which in some ways is deserved but in other ways it's in my opinion a little unfounded
0: Yes, I, I agree. I do think that criticism of him obviously is valid. Um obviously with the way he's playing and stuff. Obviously no one's above criticism, um no matter what state the team is in. But yeah, I will course. say huh? I'm sorry, what'd you say? No, yeah,
1: of course not. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: but um I was gonna say like I think like me and Gail have talked about this for so long about fans anger towards Towards him, I think we all assume is contract-based. Like, they're mad that he got a big contract and he's not Kale McCarr, which obviously is unfair. But redirect your anger. Redirect that at Stan Bowman. Like, obviously, if we got that contract, we would sign that, right? It's not his fault he got that Mm -hmm. contract. But you're right. There is, I think, just so much pressure to live up to all of that. And right now, he is taking a lot of the brunt of it. And like we said, he's fine. He's fine. But... Like you said, unfortunately, he has been struggling a little bit this year. Gail, what do you think of kind of Seth Jones and kind of how everything's played out this year?
2: If you were on the ice 25 minutes a night, you would probably struggle with some things as well. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I just I, I I have a hard time criticizing Seth Jones because he's such a he's such a workhorse. And it, you guys, I think that we all take him for granted because if you had, you know, you're. I basically, I think, what you're trying to say is, okay, cut down his minutes and give him to somebody else. Well, you got three new defensemen on the team. If you gave them more ice time, I'm not sure we'd be completely happy with that. I get it that they need to get their feet under them and and that they 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 need that time. And I think it's going to round out as the year gets you know moves along. Um, but I just feel like Seth Jones is 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 taken for granted and underappreciated for what he does. And yeah, he's going to make mistakes because he's out there a lot. Um, and I just, I just think that that he's underappreciated for what he brings to this team.
1: If if I can just yeah. make one quick point, I, I feel like if not this year, or even next year, before that contract ends, I feel like Jones is going to go somewhere and with the right amount of ice time, he's going to thrive. Like somewhere uh-huh. he's going to play like 18 minutes, get a little bit of power play time and all of a sudden he's going to help a team in a cup run. And, and uh-huh. I hope that it's here. And I hope that eventually enough depth develops, but I, I just feel like that would be the best scenario for him. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut.
2: No, it. I get it. I totally get what you're saying. And I think that we're all kind of in agreement um, with about the whole thing, to be honest with you, it's just kind of yeah. looking at in a different point of view. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm with you guys. I have a hard time criticizing Seth Jones a lot too. I think I, we can point out that he's had his struggles, but I do think, and the fact that, like I said, the fans get mad that he's got a big contract. But at the end of the day, I feel like he's kind of, he's not the Blackhawks' problem. He's just not, when he's out there, he's not their problem. Like, it's just, yeah, he makes mistakes, but really, if you're really just focusing on him being why the Blackhawks, that's not true. So, and yeah, I agree with that too. I mean, he plays a lot of minutes and it's nice. Like they said, he's more than capable of playing all those minutes, even if we think maybe they should you know, give him a little bit of a break, but do you know what? I also have a hard time criticizing him because he's also the first one that's critical of himself. When he plays bad, he's always out there. He's the first one out there saying I was bad. And like knowing these stats now, he's probably also the first one to say, this is not good enough. So you know what? He kind of gets a little bit of a pass. I think from us, yes, we can criticize and say that he has been struggling because that is true, but also kind of look at the bigger picture. That's all we're saying. Just look at the bigger picture of it as well. I think is more than fair too. It can go both ways. Um, OK, so we're going to go on to Gail's topic here, which is I'm actually really excited about this one, because after the game against Buffalo, Nick Folino spoke. And I think at this point we all get very excited when Nick Folino speaks to the media because he makes our jobs easier as writers because he says some very insightful things and we can always use all those quotes to make a really fun story out of it. So he had mentioned something um, after the Sabres game about kind of making um, the United Center you know, a winning place, a winning arena again, because they have not done very well at home this year. It's, I think they only have one win at home this year. So Gail, take it away. What what have you really heard from Nick Felino that stood out to you about that sentiment?
2: When Nick Felino talks, people listen, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh
2: so he did put it in some good perspective. He really does. He's, he always says the right thing and good things. He said, I've been on the other side of this, and when you come into this building and you're hoping to get a win some night. So he's basically saying the United Center is a hard place to, you know, they've got great fans, it's loud. Um, they need to kind of try to get that on their side, and he also said, you know, uh, we want to create that again. The fans deserve it, and they sell out every night. They come to watch us play, and so why not use that to your advantage, right? Um, he's trying to instill this winning culture that you know, just that you take for granted that you're going to win. I guess this goes past even the United Center thing, where he's just basically trying to 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 make them to make the team expect to win and, and feel like they're going to win instead of, oh, we want to win, you know? And and that used to kind of be what the fans got when, when 2010 and 2013, 2015, those championship teams, where they just had that winning culture and they knew that they were going to win and they just believed that they were going to win every night, kind of getting that swagger back. So, um, you know, best place to start doing that is to feel comfortable in your own barn, build build off that energy. Uh, I like what he's saying. And uh, you know, unfortunately this team isn't anywhere near as good as those teams, but you have to start somewhere. And I like it. I, you know, I they I think they have three more games uh at home uh in here in November. So hopefully they can pull out some wins.
0: Hunter, what do you kind of make about the United States or how they should become a winning place again? What do you make about yeah.
1: this? It's um I'll say this: like I've got a lot of buddies who work throughout the states, the Midwest, and it's funny that the United Center in a Blackhawks home game is always somehow the thing that, Mm -hmm. like, either we got to go see it, Mm -hmm. or if they have clients, they're like, forget the damn meeting, we're going to the Blackhawks game. (laughs) That's that's what we're doing, and and I feel like it's this, especially since they became a winning team in the 2010s, it it becomes like. A must-see hockey venue, and of course, you want to reward fans for that. I, I was reading this in um, Charlie uh, Rumeliotis. Rumi- is that you guys? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, such a tough cool. name, isn't it? Yeah, it was, everybody. Says you read it, it a million times a day, and then when you actually say <laughs> it out loud, I-, I feel like an idiot. Um, but I read a story today on NBC Sports Chicago, and it, like their attendance hasn't dropped. They're they're still mm-hmm. killing it, and part of, and part of that is Bedard um, mm-hmm. having like a generational phenom. Obviously, tickets are going to sell, and And road fans want to go see him as well. But I I think in these circumstances where the team isn't very good and it's a rebuilding year, if the attendance doesn't take a hit, then fans are going to want to see something. And right now, like, I think we can all agree, like, it's not even just that they're losing because we weren't expecting them to make a big playoff push. It's that the games are kind of boring. It's that they're not exciting, and it feels like they're kind of they're coming out flat often. And and if if you're not gonna sell wins, you gotta sell goals and excitement. Mm -hmm. And so, and Felino's a player that at stages of his career, if if he wasn't contributing in a secondary offensive role, he was providing something that would create some excitement. So I think he's speaking from a point of view where, hey, boys, if we're not getting it going, then in some other ways we got to get it going because right now Mm -hmm. these flat efforts aren't working. And and also too like. the United Center, regardless, it's still like not just for a hockey fan to enjoy a game. It's also intimidating as hell. I, I, every story you hear of a guy who signs with Chicago or formerly played in Chicago, it's always the same thing. When they'd hear the anthem before the game, it's you know it's becomes so routine and mundane. But for when you're in Chicago, all of a sudden the black the the um, the goosebumps come back, and I don't know, just. Uh, just give us something, right? They're 1-5-0 and at home right now. I mean, come on. <laughs> anyway, sorry.
0: No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Like, it's – I don't – you know, I find it actually humorous that they're a good road team. Actually, you would think a rebuilding team would do absolutely mm. awful on the road, and they actually are pretty good on the road compared to home. So I think that's kind of a funny, like, kind of a weird thing that's going on right now but i agree with you hunter if you're not going to sell wins you got to sell effort i guess i miss effort now because i literally tweet about this every single game when they come out flat and it's not a good effort i'm like okay there's that effort again and it's like some people get like a little bit like mad like well, what did you expect they're a rebuilding team well yeah they're not always going to win every night that's par for the course but they can control their effort level and unfortunately it hasn't always been there the past few games at least it hasn't to start the year it was Now it's been a little bit spotty, but last or uh, against Buffalo, it was better though. It was a a lot better, Um, but unfortunately they lost, but see no complaints really from me there because at least the effort was there. So, you know, it's, yeah, I hope that they figure it out and they, and they will, they will figure it out, but yeah, they got to get some wins at home here. And if not, like I said, get the fans on their feet, get them something to be excited about. That's really kind of like the madhouse way but either way it's always going to be a really tough environment for anyone coming into the um united center it's such a great place even just to watch a game like it's there's really i don't think anything like it in the league so i agree with what nick folino says the fans deserve a win for sure the fans really do deserve a win at home uh, well so, and let's
1: remember yeah.
2: let's remember too um what did you say they're one five and oh at home so that's six mm-hmm. games And they played 15, almost 16. So they played a lot more games away than at home, too. So you know, maybe they just need some more time at home. Yeah,
0: I agree with that. In February, I know they only have one away game in the whole month of February. So (laughs) (laughs) there's still a lot of season left to maybe (laughs) buy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's
0: true, but that gives us something to look forward to. In February, they will be a good home team for sure. (laughs)
1: Knock on wood.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So moving on, so we actually got a viewer question um for this topic. And I'm actually really excited about this one because I think this is a topic I think we're all pretty interested in, and we kind of talk about this in our group chat a lot, but now we get to talk about it on here. So the question was from a viewer. His name is Dom. He's a he's a very loyal uh follower of our content and our show. So thank you, Dom, for this question. But he asked, which current prospects can or should be called up this year? If any, and who do you think will be called up realistically by the end of the season. So Hunter, I'm going to start with you on this one. One, do you think there's a current prospect that should be called up? Or who do you think will realistically be up by the end of the season?
1: Um, I think if you asked me two weeks ago, I would have said Isaac Phillips. But mm-hmm. now he is with the club. And I won't step on our next topics after. But uh, I don't know. Right now, I Colton Dak. I think mm-hmm. doc doc. I, I don't know, man. Doc, we, yeah. 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 The doc. Um, like he was with the club for a little bit. And uh, I know that he, he played with Allen and um, mm-hmm. Korchinski last year with Seattle. So he's got some organizational familiarity uh, right now from what I can tell, he's doing pretty well in Rockford. Um, I, I was reading some scouting reports of him and it seems like he's like really comfortable with the professional game so if not now then hopefully at some point he can get a little bit of a taste of it um yeah that's as of right now I'd I'd say he'd be my choice
0: Gail do you think that the Blackhawks should call up someone from Rockford with their losing streak right now or if not who do you think is going to be up by the end of the season
2: well, I totally had uh, Colton Dock on my radar as well. Uh, I think uh, what when was it? One or two games ago, he had a he had a hat trick, his first professional hat trick and uh scored in the shootout as well so like i think all the goals were on him for that game so that's pretty cool but i guess i was taking this question even outside of the ice hogs to you know actually uh, the prospects that are in college right now and i guess i would say uh you know because this is coffee so kind of pretty obvious frank frank nazar, nazar um mm-hmm. at the university of michigan he was out most of last season because uh uh, it was hip surgery, I think. Um, whereas I think that like Korchinski, he might have actually gotten a shot this season, but because he was out most of last season, they're just really high on him. I, I don't know how he, I know he's doing well. I don't know any of the details of how well he's doing, um, but I could totally see when their season ends, maybe him coming up at the end of the season. Same thing with Oliver Moore at University of Minnesota. The two with them I, I really feel like they'll be kind of the ones that when their season's over in college they might get the a bit of a trial period at the end of this Blackhawks season.
0: Yes I'm with you I do think Nazar and Moore will get um, a look here at the end of the season um, which I'm really excited about. I think we're all, everyone's excited about kind of their potential and what they could bring to the team in the future but do you know what's funny when Colton Dock obviously he was injured to start the year and he stayed with the Blackhawks until he healed and then they sent him down to Rockford but I was actually, I thought it was okay, actually, if he started with the Blackhawks, to be honest with you. And I know he probably wasn't even ready, but it wasn't even about that. It was just more like, it felt like maybe he could use a game or so. Maybe the team could use him for a second. He did really good in the preseason and then send him down. Just give him a taste, send him down. That's kind of how I looked at it I wasn't really, it wasn't a bad decision either way to start him in Rockford or start him with the Blackhawks, in my opinion. But um, I do think Colton. we're going to see Colton Dock for sure uh, wow. by the end of the season. I don't know when. I do think if they if the Blackhawks lose to the Blue Jackets, that's a game they should win. If they do lose to the Blue Jackets, I would think about calling up someone from Rockford. I don't yep. know if they maybe think Colton Doc. maybe they want to give him a little more time in Rockford. But Cole Gutman, I know he was sent down earlier this year. He's got six points in 11 games. So he's doing okay. Maybe that could be an option for them too. So I... Yeah, I'm we'll see, but I do think maybe we'll see someone. We'll see someone here if things continue down this path. But a lot of prospects to get excited about here. Guys, I'm I'm really looking forward to this. I think Colton Dock's going to be a really good one. I think he was a steal second round steal there. Um All right. So we are at the point of our show where we're at the shootout round where we do quick fire questions and answers, but because it's us, usually we like to, you know, talk. So bear with (laughs) us. We got, we're just excited about everything. So you guys ready for this? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So question number one, Isaac Phillips, which Hunter just mentioned as someone he would have actually liked to see already had he not been called up already, but Isaac Phillips has looked really impressive. He looked really good against Buffalo, made good defensive plays. He's now played in three straight games. Do you think he deserves to stay in Chicago longer, even though Nikita Zaitsev is back from personal leave? Gail, I'm going to start with you.
2: I think with the way he's playing, it's going to be really hard to take him out of the lineup. Um, Even if you do want to eventually get him back to Rockford so that he can play all situations, Uh play more minutes, uh, I'd still like to see him get a little bit uh, more of a look. Uh, right now you know maybe six seven eight games that would be I think that would be a great experience for him
1: yeah
0: what um, about you Andrew? what do you think
1: uh yeah keep him in for sure the The most games he's played in the season is 16 I believe last year uh let him get him let him get a taste of it um I've got a weird vendetta again against Nikita Zaitsev I just don't think that he's an NHL defenseman so if, he, if it means taking his job, then by all means, let Phillips play. And worst case, Ontario, uh, send him back to the HL where he can play in every situation.
0: Yeah, I, I think he deserves an extended look, even from last year. I think he's played enough to have earned a spot. And obviously, he's kind of been kicked out, even like with Zaitsev and Korchinski and Kaiser. But yeah, I think he's deserved an extended look for sure. So I think he should stay where he is for now, at least um okay next question of the shootout the penalty kill started out so promising and now i think we all kind of hold our breath when the Blackhawks are on the penalty kill now they've given up a goal in eight straight games this is not fun is there a certain player that you would add to the penalty kill to fix it hunter
1: uh how about ryan donato he's got a little bit of speed i feel like he's able to cover his space a bit um last i looked i don't think he's had a single shift on the pk um mm. but he played a little bit in seattle so uh at this point are on eight yeah. straight games yeah. oh man it's, not, it's
0: not good gail no. would you put who would you put on the penalty kill to help improve it here All right, you guys, It's a
2: tough job. It's a really tough job. All right. So I don't know. I I, I don't want to get too down on the the regulars here. Uh, I think they've actually been doing a pretty good uh, job of balancing it out. Like, for example, Phillips has actually been um, uh, helping out on the PK. And then they also have like Entwistle, Kachuk, Reese Johnson. I don't think they're actually regulars for the most part, but, you know, they're trying to get a rotation going. And I guess I would just kind of stick with that.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's no problem. I mean, it worked before. So, I mean. It's got to, got to work again, right? But to think out of the box, I would say Corey Perry, maybe. Try Corey Perry out there. Maybe they could use some bite or some snarl, some good net front presence there, kind of get the puck out of i yeah, I'm, maybe that's just an option. I don't know if they'll do it, but, yeah, like I said, we'll see uh, what happens there. <laughs> but – Okay. Question number three. So goaltender Arvid Soderblom hasn't looked all that good in his last couple of games while Peter Morazic has looked great. Who had that on their bingo card? I did not. I thought the opposite would have been. Um, so do you guys start playing Morazic more or do you keep with this every other game rotation? Gail, I'm going to start with you.
2: There's a part of me that wants to say play Morazic because, you know, we're, we're we're selfish and we want winning, but um, uh, I think that you really should keep with the rotation because then, you know, they've, they've got a big stretch of games coming up too. So you want to keep both of them fresh. Uh, and then you also want to kind of get Soderblom and some confidence and, and kind of in his groove. And, and it's my understanding, the more they play, the better, um, you know, they kind of get in that groove. So I guess keep it as it is with the rotation.
0: Hunter, what do you think? Stick with the rotation or have Morazic play more?
1: Uh, stick with the rotation. It, it's not like it's, uh, it, it's not like they're a team that's battling for a spot. So if there is a hot hand, you ride it. Um, at this point, just let him go and, uh, you know we can come back on this in a couple of weeks and see how they're playing, but right now just keep it rotating.
0: Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think Morazic is who he is at this point. They need Soderbloom to kind of figure this out. They need to give him more reps, let him figure this out, let him kind of dig himself out of this rut a little bit. So that's where I'm at with that. Um. So next question. So obviously it's hard to kind of pin all of the struggles on one player. I know fans would like to keep pointing out Seth Jones here, but it's hard to do this on just one player, guys. Everyone's struggling. But in your mind, who do you think needs to step up for the Blackhawks to break this losing streak? Uh, Gail?
2: I have been pretty disappointed with Taylor Radish, to be honest with you. He only has three goals, four points uh, on the season. He's played in every game. He's been consistently on the second line, even on the first line. So I just feel like he should be a slow start and he should be producing more.
0: Hunter, who do you think needs to step up?
1: Uh, I had two players in mind and I was going to take the one that Gail didn't because I feel like we were going to, it was going to be one of them. Uh, So I'll take the other Taylor, uh, Taylor Hall. Um, I I know that he came from back from injury and uh, I know that he's been dealing with like he's been on again, off again in the lineup. But uh, in the games he has played so far, I I feel like there's just there's more there. and, And going into the season, I thought that he would. Um, break out a little bit now that he's got an expanded role that, or more of a role than he had last year with Boston. So, uh, if I had to pick one, I'd say Hall needs to step up.
0: Yeah, I think they do need both of them to step up for sure. I'm going to pick Andreas Antonisou. He got a big contract. I mean, it was a two-year contract, yeah. but it was pretty pretty significant contract and he's play kind of a, him. I know he's All injured. He's injured right now, so it's hard to but I hope when he comes back from injury that he'll kind of regain some form because he was looking a little invisible out there and he was a healthy scratch too. So they definitely need more out of him too. Um okay, so we're running out of time here. So this team is one for seven on the power play this past week, only scoring three goals during all of November. So guys, how do we fix this? What's one, one idea to fix things up here, Hunter.
1: Um, I don't know, throw in uh, Connor, uh, sorry, throw in Connor Murphy, throw in Anthony <laughs> I I don't know what's wrong with this power play. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's like, I like the games I watch around the NHL, good teams have a lot of movement on their power plays, and I feel like this mm-hmm. one's very stagnant. I feel like Seth Jones kind of parks himself up at the top, and they try to do this umbrella thing that it's just not working. So at, at this point, um, I don't know, when he's healthy, put Jared Tenorti in front of the net and block the goalie for all I know. Something. Yeah.
0: Gail, Gail, what's your idea to fix the power play here?
2: Shake it up a little bit. Put the second unit out first a couple of times. Mess with the opposition yeah. a little bit. Uh, maybe the PK units will be tired or the weaker unit will be out even when Bernard and company goes out.
0: Yes. My my out-of-the-box idea is not really out-of-the-box. Just quit dumping the puck in on the power play. Actually, take <laughs> the puck in. Yes. That's really it. So just stop doing Thank that. You. And Maybe things will look up. All right guys. So, for the final uh, question of the shootout round. So, obviously it's our predictions um segment of the show. So uh, um Oh my gosh, guys. Matthew cut it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, for the last question of the shootout, we are in our predictions segment of the show. So, we have a busy schedule with seven games um before before we meet again so we have the columbus blue jackets which i just said they should win um sorry i just kind of gave that away um the toronto maple leafs the st louis blues the seattle kraken the detroit red wings the minnesota wild and the winnipeg jets depending on which way you look at this schedule this could either be kind of good or kind of bad i don't know like i said it depends on how you look at it so 14 points are available so what's the prediction what are your predictions here gail Of uh, how many wins do you see happening here
2: i kind of like that have they played any of these teams yet? I don't think so. That's kind of cool. They played police, yeah. Yeah. Beliefs, so you yeah. Know what I'm saying? Who they new, beat new teams. Yeah. Um. Again, Columbus Blue Jackets. Yes, please, please call. Uh. Besides that, I, I guess I hope they beat the Wild. I think there would be a few other wins in there. So I guess I'm going to say four wins, eight points out of the fourteen.
0: Uh, Hunter, what are you thinking here?
1: Um, Lord, I hope they beat Columbus on Wednesday, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys what – they're just so bad. Um, I think they got a good chance against the Leafs. The Leafs don't play again until this upcoming Friday. So I think they're going to come out slow, and I think that they can take advantage of that or at least squeeze a point out of it. Um, always beat the Blues. Uh, I actually yeah. like the Krakens lineup, so I don't know. And, and I feel like the Wings and the Wild – the Wings are coming back to Earth. So out of this, I like—I think you can get like nine points or even ten points out of this if we're being oh. optimistic. Yeah, I'm I'm telling you man. I think you can wow. at least still one for, against Toronto and really the only one I can't see them winning is against Winnipeg because I they, they got a lot of scores. They they've they're much better than I anticipated but yeah, nine, ten points, go for it.
0: Good. I I was thinking in my head 8. I was thinking around that too. I do think they'll beat the Blue Jackets. I say should, sure, but honestly we always say team should beat someone and they don't or vice versa so honestly it's uh, the nhl things happen but they should beat the blue jackets i'm pretty confident in that so um i would say two points there i'd say two points against the maple leafs only because they seem to do well against the maple leafs even last year they did okay against the maple leafs for whatever reason so and the minnesota Wild has actually been struggling a little bit lately so unless they pick it up here i feel like that's a beatable team too i do think the red wings are very beatable too i don't know I feel about that yet, though, but I'm going to say eight points. Um, I'm sticking with it. We'll see what happens there. <laughs> but nice. um, All right. So uh, that will end our show. Uh, thank you, Gail and Hunter, for joining um, me today to discuss... All these things. There's a lot going on here. And thank you everyone for tuning in and reading our articles and for talking hockey with us. We really enjoy this. So please be sure to tell us what you think about all this. How would you fix the power play? Because honestly, we're at a loss for words. I think, honestly, we should have like a fan meeting at the United Center during the team meeting. Just everyone have everyone zoom in, get their ideas out. Cause this team could use it. It's a free for all, I think now. So let us know what you think about all this. Uh, and obviously you can find all of us on Twitter. That's where we're the most active. So please be sure to tweet us. We tweet during games um, and obviously we love the discourse. Um, you can find all of our articles at thehockeywriters.com. And as always, if you're interested in the Blackhawks Substack, whether you want to become a free subscriber or a paid subscriber, um, the link will be in the description um, below for you to check that out as well. And it's a couple days until American Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Hunter's our Canadian here. He already had his Thanksgiving, but happy Thanksgiving to you. I'll do it it again.
1: Oh, I'll do it again. Don't worry.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Can't go wrong with two Thanksgivings (laughs) here, but happy Thanksgiving. And hopefully by the next time we talk, the power play is improved and the team is a little bit improved. They need it. So thanks again, guys. And go Hawks.